you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Come on, lift up that name in this house this morning. I wish you would put your hands together and lift your voice. Come on, it's much more than just a hand clap. It's much more than just a feel good. But we're here to worship and to praise a mighty God. The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He. Come on, somebody magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Hallelujah. I don't know about you this morning, but I like what I feel in the house of God. I'm so thankful to be able to gather in this place with you this morning and to praise and to magnify the name of Jesus in freedom this morning without fear of retribution, without fear of what someone may think of me, about fear of being put in a prison like people all across of our world are fearful today. If they were just caught in worship, then they would go to prison. How many are thankful that you are able to worship in freedom? How many are thankful that God reached down and picked you out of the pit of sin that you are in and he set your feet on the rock to stay and you are able to come into this place and you are able to clap your hands. You are able to lift your voice and give God glory. You see, they used to sing it like this when I was a kid. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Say angels bow before him and heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, sing it. Say what a mighty God we serve. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Say angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we come on, make it personal and sing it like this. Hey, what a mighty God I serve. What a mighty God I serve. Oh, angels bow before him and heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God I serve. Come on, one more time. Say, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Say, angels bow before 
you know he's a mighty God, clap your hands and give him glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 4. I know he's not here, but I give honor to Pastor this morning. He is ministering in Indianapolis, and uh, I know him, and I know his heart. I know him pretty good, and I know that uh, he's enjoying where he's at, but I know that his mind is on what's going on here at home. And uh, why don't you say we just have good church and just set his mind at ease this morning. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 4, beginning at verse number 10. And the Bible says, And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man unto his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent and with dirt, with earth, the Bible says, or dirt upon his head. And when he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. Verse 14, And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily, and he told Eli. Skip down to verse number 17. The Bible says, And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons, Eli, also Hophni and Phinehas, they're dead, and the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass that when he made mention of the ark of God. I want you to know, it's not when he made mention of his boys, but the Bible says that when the man made mention of the ark of God, when he made mention that the ark of God was taken, he that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck break and he died. For he was an old man and heavy and he had judged Israel 40 years. And his daughter-in-law, Phineas, his wife, was with child near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings of the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and that her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about that time, about the time of her death, the woman that stood beside her and said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And in verse 21, the Word of God says, And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. I want to preach to you for the next few moments on this subject, on this subject, knowing a miracle when you see it. Knowing a miracle when you see it. Put your Bibles down, your devices down. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven right now? And would you ask that God would speak to us in this house? 
Lord, by the authority of your word and by the power of your name, I pray that your spirit would fall in a mighty way in this house. God, let your anointing fall on your messenger. Let your anointing fall on your people. God, anoint our ears to hear. Anoint our hearts to receive. Anoint our minds to understand. I come against every spirit that would try to hinder the moving of the Holy Ghost. I come against every spirit of distraction. I come against every spirit of doubt. I come against every spirit of fear in this house. I bind it and I cast it out of this place. God, I pray that you would set your people free. And let your word would go forth in the name of Jesus. And everyone shout amen. Why don't you turn to someone, air high five them, and say, I hope that you know a miracle when you see one. We just sang the song, What a Mighty God We Serve. And He is a mighty God. I want you to know that the God that we worship is beyond all imagination and comprehension. Now unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. These words here in this scripture are excessive words that describe a very excessive God because I want you to know that God is excessive in his power. He is excessive in his love for you. He is excessive in his mercy and he is excessive in his might. He is not a God that can be trampled over. He is not a God that can be defeated. He is not a God that can ever be outdone. He is not a God that can be outmaneuvered. You cannot outthink him. You cannot outmaneuver him. You can't get one step in front of him because he is almighty God. I want you to know that he, not only is he a mighty God, and not only does the Bible talk about him being a jealous God and a God of judgment, but I want you to know in this house that God is a balanced God. He is a God who is fair. Yes, he judges our sin, but yes, God is fair because if he judged us like we ought to be judged, then there is no way that we could be sitting in this house today there is no possibility that we could ever have the, 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 uh, the, the chance at salvation. But my God that I serve, he is fair. He's not only righteous, but he is fair. And he is a sovereign God. He will have compassion upon whom he will have compassion and he will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. And he will exercise, though, judgment upon those who he will exercise judgment on. I want you to know that he has no beginning. Therefore, he does not operate within the confines of human time. He cannot be put into a box that is mandated by what man knows as day and night and week and month and year and season. But he is a God who is above all. He is a 
God that whose power transcends anything that you and I could ever begin to imagine or comprehend. There is no beginning to him, and therefore there will be no ending to him. He is beyond time. He operates in eternity, though he is not confined to eternity. This is the reason why we worship him. It is not, though, the reason why we praise him, but it is the reason why we gather in this place this morning and we worship him. We praise him because he's good. We praise him because he healed us. We praise him because he set us free. We praise him because he delivered us. But we worship him because he is God. We worship him because he is sovereign. He has no equal and he has no counterpart. He is God and beside him there is no other. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Listen to me. If he never heals me, I will still worship him. If he never answers my prayer, I will still worship him. If he never delivers me from my afflictions, I will still worship him. Come on, somebody. He's excellent whether or not he heals me. He's worthy whether or not he heals me. He's powerful whether or not he chooses to heal me. He's still God whether I'm sick or I'm well. He's still God whether things are going good in my life or my world seems to be falling apart. He does all things well. He is altogether lovely. And we worship him because he is God and he has no equal. I wish somebody would put your hands together this morning and just begin to lift your voice and worship him. Come on, there's none superior to him. He is God all by himself. He is bigger than you, and he's bigger than me. He is bigger than all of us put together because he is a sovereign God. Psalms 24 and 1 said it like this, all of the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Matthew 34 and 3 says it like this, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Psalms 32 and 3 said, oh magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I wish I had a building full of people that would stand to your feet along with me and begin to magnify the Lord in one mind and in one accord because he is a great God. Come on, praise him because he's God. It's not about what he can do for you, but it's about who he is. I want to declare here this morning that he is one God. He is one God. Everybody shout, he is one God. 
There is none beside him. There is none like him. He is one God. And I will not pollute his omnipotent because by dividing him up into three different persons. He is one God. He is the Father of all, above all, and in you all. He is God. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You'll have to excuse me today if I want to worship God because before God called me to be a preacher, God called me to be a worshiper. Before God ever called me to stand behind a pulpit and to preach his word, God called me to be a worshiper. So excuse me a while if I begin to worship him. Excuse me a while if I begin to dance before him because of his goodness and his mercy in my life. You don't know like I know what God has done for me. I will bless the Lord at all times. Come on, I wish somebody would just step out in your worship this morning. Don't worry about who's sitting next to you. Don't worry about what your brother or sister may say. Why don't you go ahead and worship God because he's been good to you. you know that it's difficult for some of us I got a bad ring up here brother Corden it's difficult for some of us to understand the possibility of being able to touch this omnipotent God the Bible says though that we all have access by one spirit to the Father how can we have access to God he is untouchable And he is perfect, yet I am so imperfect. But I want you to know that you can touch God this morning. You can find God. You can feel after God. Feel after God until you find him. I'm telling you, I've made up in my mind this morning that I'm not going to wait for the Spirit of God to move on me before I make a move. But long before the Spirit of the Lord ever begins to move on me, I'm going to dance like David danced. And I'm going to shout like David shouted. I'm going to leap like David leapt. I don't have to have the beat of a drum. I don't have to feel the Holy Ghost in order to worship God. But I'm going to feel after God. I'm going to dance until I find him. I'm going to leap till I find him. I'm going to sing songs of worship till I find him. I'm going to clap until I find him. Because I will find him. He's not far from any of us. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. We need to listen. Listen to me. He gave us a way to find him. Because his word said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
Listen, I don't care this morning how cold and indifferent you are. God gave you an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I don't care how backslid you are this morning. Your spirit can hear me. You can act like a stone that won't be moved if you want to, but you know better, and I know better, and God surely knows better. God gave you an ear, and he knows that you can hear him. You may not agree with what I'm preaching this morning. You may not like what I'm saying, but your spirit hears me. Listen, you can feel God. You can find God and I dare you today to obey what God is telling you to do be this known unto you and hearken to my words somebody needs to turn your ear and hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to your life you can act like it if you want to you can act like that song I shall I shall, I shall not be moved. Listen, that's your, that's your decision. That's your decision. You can sit in a service and you can sit with your arms crossed and you can, you can refuse to move if you want to. God gave you a choice, but you're not going to ever be able to walk out of this service or any other service and say, well, I didn't hear anything from the Lord. Well, God didn't speak to me. That message was for somebody else, but it wasn't to me. The Bible says, tune your ear. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. It's not happenstance that we are here this morning. You didn't just come here by circumstance, but God ordained this moment, and God ordained this service, and he is here, and he is speaking into your life. Tune your ear to what God is saying into your life. gave you the ability to taste him. Listen, you can find him because you can hear him. But in addition to that, there is bread of life that God wants to pour out to you that will sustain your life. There is water of life that is getting ready to flow down from heaven and it's going to quench your thirst today. Milk and honey is getting ready to start flowing and you're going to taste its sweetness. And that's what the Bible is referring to when it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. I didn't come to impress you with my suit and my tie this morning. I didn't come to preach you a pretty sermon, but I came because I need and you need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. I came to eat of the bread of life. I came to drink from that life-giving source that God wants to pour out in this house this morning. We can hear him. We can taste him. 
Proverbs 29 and 18 tells us that where there is no vision, the people perish. Why is that? Because we are a people of vision. God has given us vision. We repent. We baptize in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin. We receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. We live a holy, godly lifestyle. We are holy on the inside and we're holy on the outside. The holiness that dwells in us on the inside affects the way that we look. It affects the way that we dress and it affects the way that we act. It will change your conversation. It is who we are and who we strive to be as apostolics. But let us not forget that no more than more than just the, the holiness and more just the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Let us not forget that we are a people of vision. We are people of dreams and visions. Joel 2 and 28 said it like this, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see Vision. You've got to see things that the world cannot see. Things that others say are not there. You've got to open your eyes and to look through eyes of the Spirit and see things that are not as though they were. We've got to see things that are not as though they were. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. Hebrews 11, by faith, Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. For he endured, everybody say he endured, seeing him who is invisible. The only way that you and I are going to be able to endure in these troubling times, in these testing times as children of God, is to see things, those things that are invisible. It's to see things that everybody else says are not there. It's to see things that everybody else say don't exist. Don't tell me that those things don't exist because I see visions. And in this last day, I see things that you may not see. I hear things that the world doesn't hear. And I taste things that the world cannot taste because the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us and the Spirit of the Lord is revealing things to us. The Bible says that in the last day I will pour out of my Spirit. I believe that in these last days that we are going to see things that we have never seen before. I believe, Brother Jerry, that we're going to witness things that we have never witnessed before. We all talk about the great end time harvest. We 
Y'all talk about the great end time revival. And we've got it in our minds what it might be like when we come in to a church parking lot on a Sunday morning. In my, imagine, in my imagination, I see cars that are lined up down the road just trying to get into the parking lot, let alone find a parking space. I got in my mind what I think it might look like. But let me tell you, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that we don't have a clue what God is about to do. We, we, have, a, we have a thought of what it may look like, but we don't have a clue what the end-time harvest and end-time revival is really going to look like. And I, I don't want to focus on any of that, but I do want to tell you this, that I want to have have a vision for it. And I want to have my ear turned, tuned to the Lord and to the Spirit, that when He comes calling, and that when He brings the influx of harvest, when the souls start pouring in to this building, that we know that we know what God is wanting to do in our midst. By faith, Abraham went looking for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker was God. The Bible tells us that Abraham sojourned in this land. Listen to me, this, this was a city. What well, we've got to understand, this was a city that had foundations who were made and built by God. But this city wasn't found on any map. Abraham had never heard of anyone who had ever been there. He had no way of knowing how to get there. Yet Abraham went looking because he knew that although it had not been seen, that it was there. And the Bible says that Abraham dwelt in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. But the thing that we've got to understand is that Abraham died before Jacob was even born. And yet he knew Jacob was coming because the Bible said that Isaac shall be called thy seed. It didn't matter that Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. It didn't matter that Isaac's wife, Rebekah, was barren. And it didn't matter that Jacob's wife, Rachel, was barren. But God said it to Abraham. And Abraham believed it. And that settled it once and for all. Every once in a while, we've got to stand on the promises of God in order to live, to fight another day. Every once in a while, you've got to stand on the promises of God in order to stay focused and on track because if God said it, it will come to pass. If you may not feel it today, but look through eyes of the Spirit and you will see it. I don't care how many years ago God promised it to you. You stand on it because God's going to do it. You stand on that promise and your family will be saved. You stand on that promise and God will make a way for you. Because I see things that others may not see. I see things in the spirit 
that I thought would never be possible in my flesh. But I see things that the world may not see. I see a building that cannot house a revival that's coming. I see a phase two coming in to pass in order to house the harvest that God is getting ready to send. I see a building full of new babies in Christ that are a result of our outreach efforts and the Bible studies that are being taught every week. I see backsliders who you thought would never return. I see them coming home. I see your lost children and I see your lost family members that you've been interceding for, sitting with you in the house of God. I see infirmities being healed. I see marriages being healed. I see cancer being cursed and sent back to hell where it came from. I see hundreds lined up. I see hundreds lined up to go down in water baptism in the name of Jesus. I see our altars full of sinners speaking in a heavenly language as they are being filled with the Holy Ghost. Can you see it this morning? Can you see it this morning? I see it, and I would to God that he would open our vision to see the invisible because God wants to give us the miracles that he has promised us. Come on, if you believe it, why don't you throw your hands up in the air and say, God, I believe it. God, I can see it. Come on, praise him. Worship him. Praise him for those lost family members being saved. Praise him for your children being saved. Trade him. Praise him for the waters of baptism being stirred. I'm hurrying. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. The word of God tells us that I have not seen nor ear heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. We need to pray for miracles. And when we pray for miracles, we need to have big faith. Listen, I don't think that we need to pray prayers that will easily come to pass in just a moment's notice because it's something so small. God, just pray that my headache will go away. And I think if you have a headache, you can pray. Don't misunderstand me. Pray for it, and I believe that God will heal it. But when I say when I say praying prayers, I think that we need to pray bold prayers, the kind of prayers that will only get answered if God steps in on the scene, the prayers that no man can answer but that only God can answer. We need to have big faith. We need to dream. Dream big. We need to become visionaries and see the miracles that God is going to bring into our lives. But it won't happen with natural vision. It will only happen 
when we develop spiritual vision. Because in the natural, it's easy for us to say, I've been praying for them for 15 years. And it hadn't happened yet. Brother Justin, I don't see any clue that it's going to happen any time in my lifetime. That's natural vision. <laughs> but I know there's some mamas and some daddies in this place that you have spiritual vision because you've been praying for your family for way longer maybe than I have even been alive. But every time you hit your knees, the devil wants to get in your ear and say, why are you praying for it? Because it's never going to happen. But you just look the devil in the eye and say, no, 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 no. You're looking through natural vision. But I see things in the spirit. And I see my children sitting with me. I see my family in the altar seeking the Holy Ghost. I see my family going down in water baptism in the name of Jesus. Don't tell me it won't happen because I see things that you don't see. Don't tell me it's not possible because I see things that you can't see. Natural vision will deceive you into believing it's not there. But spiritual vision allows you to see the invisible. Not only the invisible, but it sees the smallest, most minute miracle that may have ever been developed. Listen. We've got to have spiritual vision to see what God is doing. Regardless of how small it might begin. Because what God has done and is, in, is doing in your life, you have to claim it and see it for what it really is. What God does most of the time, He starts small. And if you are not careful, it's easily missed and we pass it by saying, well, it's just, it's just, uh, it just happened that way. It's just, it's, but no, we, we, we pass it by not ever knowing that it's a small seed of a miracle that God has planted in our life. That's why Jesus came to his own. And the Bible says his own received him not. He came unto the world, but the world knew him not. But when John saw Jesus, everybody else said he shouldn't be born in a manger, but he should be sitting on a throne in a palace. But you've got to let the promise grow. You've got to allow the promise to develop. The miracle has to grow in wisdom and in stature. And when John saw Jesus, he didn't just, he didn't, he didn't discard him, but rather John recognized 
the miracle when he saw it because John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which cometh to take away the sin of the world. God's miracles and God's blessings start out small, but you've got to let them grow. You've got to cultivate them. You've got to nurture it. And before long, that seed of a miracle that was planted in your mind, and it was just a thought, and it was just a hope, and it was just a prayer, but with a little cultivation and with a little bit of nourishment in the spirit, it will grow into that full-blown miracle that you thought that God would never bring to pass. Anybody with me this morning? Listen to me. You cannot give birth to a miracle on a Sunday morning. You can't take that miracle, that little miracle. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You can't just lay it in a crib, give it a bottle, and just let it sit for a month or two, come back and check on it, and expect that miracle to be growing. Expect that miracle to be healthy. Expect that miracle to be prospering. But no, you gotta, you got to nurture it. you got to feed it. you got to give it nourishment. you got to take care of it. Every once in a while, you got to sit up with it in the middle of the night and rock it when everything seems to be going bad and everything seems to be falling apart. you got to take that miracle in your arm and you just rock it and, you, and you, begin to, you begin to sing to it and you begin to tell it that everything's going to be all right because God, God had given you to me. And, 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 and I know it looks bad right now and I know it looks impossible right now and you just begin to nurture it and you begin to grow and you can't expect to leave it alone and Watch it grow into what God has designed it to be. But you've got to nurture it. You've got to pick it up and rock it and feed it when it needs to grow into its full potential. Listen to me right now. That promise that God gave to you, that, that seed of a miracle that God gave to you, it may not be at its full potential yet, but it is still a miracle from God. I wonder, does anybody know a miracle when you see it? It may be small right now, but just keep feeding it. And before long, it's going to mature into its God-given potential in your life. God gives you a blessing, it often starts out small. And there's a reason for this. The Bible says that God gives gifts. God, or the Bible rather, likens God's generosity as to that of a father. Because it says it is the father's good pleasure to give gifts to his children. James 1 says, every good and perfect gift coming down from the father of light with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And there's a reason, because God gives gifts, but he does so with responsibility. Because God is not going to spoil you and just pour out everything that you desire to have. My dad, when I was 16, didn't buy me the most expensive car. In fact, 
I got my sister's hand-me-down. Big old 1986 Dodge Daytona, powder blue. It's hard to be cool in a powder blue car. And my dad blessed me with something small. He he taught me that if I wanted a better car, one of the things in life, then I was going to have to work for it. He told me if you need help, I'll I'll help you you with what I can. And if you need gas money to go with your friends, then I'll give you gas money. But it started out something small. And I was going to have to work and I was going to have to take care of it and save my money and work if I was going to buy a cool car, not a powder blue car. God gives gifts with responsibility. That's why the psalmist said in Psalms 35, because God said, if you need help, then I'll give it to you. Whatever I can do, if you need something and you're down to your last and you're at the very bottom, then I'll step down. Because the psalmist David said, I once was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He may not listen to me. He may not come when you want him, but he'll show up every time right on time. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory, but he won't spoil you. Spoil you. He's not going to turn you into someone who cannot live holy if you're not being blessed. He's not going to turn you into someone who can't shout unless the praise team is singing your favorite song. He's not going to turn you into someone who won't go to the altar if it's not your favorite preacher preaching. He's not going to give you something. It might be small, but no matter how small it is, you need to stand on it and claim it and know a miracle when you see it. I'm closing. I really am. This is not one of ten. I'm really closing. In our text, I'm going to bring us all together if I can. In our text, 1 Samuel chapter 4. Phineas' wife had a problem with this whole concept because everybody in her life was being taken off the scene. Eli had already known about his sons, yet that didn't kill him. But when the ark of God was taken, the Bible tells us that Eli fell backward and he died. And as we read in Scripture, the reason that his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, died was because she could not bear to think about life without her husband and without her father-in-law and without her brother-in-law. Because due to circumstances that were out of her control, she now finds herself a young widow because her husband died in battle. Now, a 
alone. She was left to shoulder the responsibility of not only her own well-being, but soon she would bear us sole responsibility of the well-being of her baby. You see, because it was in those days that it was the father-in-law or it was the brother-in-law that would assume the responsibility of the widow in the event of the death of a son or a brother. It was Eli's responsibility once his son, who was her husband, was killed. The responsibility of her well-being now fell on the shoulders of her father-in-law. And if it didn't fall on the father-in-law, brother newcomer, if the father-in-law wasn't alive, then it would go to her husband's brother. She would now become his responsibility. But the Bible said that her husband was taken and her father-in-law was taken and her brother-in-law was taken. So now the responsibility fell on her shoulders alone. And it would be enough, brother newcomer, to be responsible for yourself. But it's a whole other thing to be responsible for a newborn baby. So she struggled with the concept. And the reason that she died because she could not bear to think of life without somebody, some man to take care of her. Not only was she now a widow and a soon-to-be mother of a child who would never know his father. He would never know his grandfather or his uncle. But she lost two the two remaining men in her life that would assume the responsibility of taking care of her and her baby. Hang on here. She had nobody to take care of her. And now the fear and the sense of hopelessness crept into her mind. You see, her mind drifted from the spiritual and it began to focus on the natural. All she could see was a responsibility. All she could see was the pain of going through a life without a husband and without a father for her soon-to-be-born son. She knew that she would have to teach him how to walk. She knew that she would have to teach him how to be a man. She knew that she would have to teach him how to throw a ball. She knew she would have to teach him how, how, to, how to fit in in social circles. And all she could focus on were her problems. And the Bible tells us that the women that helped deliver her baby were excited for her because she had bore a son and they brought her son to her. But the Bible records that all 
she could say perhaps in a hypnotic type of trance she kept saying Ichabod 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 meaning the glory of God has departed and they looked at her they said don't be afraid I, I know that you're afraid right now but there has been a miracle that has taken place and you don't even realize it. Say, they said, there, there's a miracle. You need a miracle and a miracle has just taken place. Just hold on. Just hold on. It's small right now, but there is a miracle that has taken place. But all she could see was the name Ichabod. you're afraid because all the men in your life have died but if she had just realized brother bowling that God had just brought a man into her life she was so busy looking in the natural Everybody had been taken, and she didn't realize that in the arms of that midwife, right there at her head, as she was beginning to, to pass from this life, she didn't understand. But that man that she needed to take care of her, that person that she needed to sustain her and take care of her in her old age, was sucking its thumb, laying right beside her head, and it was crying. She didn't even know it. All she could see was getting up in the middle of the night for feedings and diaper changes. So consumed was she with her circumstance that she wanted nothing to do with the provision that God had just placed in her life. To somebody. I come to preach to you and I come to let you know that if God gives you a miracle, you need to embrace it and say, I, I, I'm going to grow this thing. I know right now it's small and it can't do much for me. That baby was small. There's nothing that baby could do to take care of his mama, but give it about 20 years. Give it about 20 years of nurturing and feeding. And it was going to, that boy who was once a baby was now 20 years later going to be strong and develop. And when you look through eyes of the Spirit, you will notice a miracle when God places it in your life. Don't be like this woman. Don't say, well, everything's too bad. But you take that little miracle, no matter how small it may be, and you embrace it. You hold it. It may be small right now, but one day it will grow into its potential. It might be as small as dancing in the aisle on a Sunday morning for your healing. And you think that when you go home, it's all over but no it has just begun and he that has begun a good work in you is able to perform it he's able to bring it to pass he's able to bring it to its full potential 
I wish that somebody would run to this altar this morning and bring that little miracle that God has placed into your life that doesn't look like much right now. But I wish that you would run to the altar and say, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to nurture it. I'm going to grow it. And it will come to its potential. It may look impossible this morning. It may be, it may look impossible, but it, it may be impossible. But through God, with God, all things are possible. You don't think that your healing will ever come. You don't think that relationship will ever be put back together. And you think that they'll never be what they used to be. But God is about to bring it to pass. You just hold on to it. You just hold on to it. You just nurture it. Just embrace it. See it, you're working. Even when I can't. 